You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. We've entitled this evening's study from Galatians 3 verses 6 through 9, The Way of Father Abraham. The Apostle Paul will have at the first and have at the conclusion of chapter 3, and tonight will be in the first part. Uh, he'll have uh, for us uh, applications and lessons from the life of Abraham as he preaches the gospel and uh, as he uh, had said back in chapter 2, verse 5, making sure the truth of the gospel remains. Uh, he pointed out Abraham as an example of how the truth of the gospel works. So remember, and we review each time very briefly, chapter 1, that which Paul preached, he says, was not from men or the agency <coughs> of men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And he, in verse 4 of chapter 1, Jesus gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. So here is the gospel delivered uh, to Paul directly by inspiration. It is that Jesus uh, was offered for our sins. It was that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so we find that as a result of that and following that, Paul would say down in chapter 2 and verse 16, he says, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ, we have believed in Christ. Well, if you want to be saved and salvation is by faith, then believe in Christ. It says, so that he might justify, be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, since by works of the law no flesh will be justified. So we ask and we'll ask again as we set up the passage we're going to go read tonight, how many people will be justified by works of the law? No one. Who, who is it that will be justified then? Those who have faith in Christ. So who will be justified by faith in Christ? Everybody who's saved. Nobody will be saved apart from justification by faith in Christ. And so verse 17, he says, we are seeking to be justified in Christ. And he said in verse 19, through the law, I died to the law so I might live to God. So even the things of the law taught me to die to the law. And actually, as Peter would say in Acts 15.10, it's a yoke neither we or our fathers were able to bear. Uh, we and they should have been glad to be rid of it. So I died to the law that I might live to God. So I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So this living and active faith. And then in chapter 3, and this was our last study, Paul asked about how they received the Spirit. Did they receive the Spirit by works of the law or the hearing of faith? And obviously it was by faith. It was by the gospel. They received the Spirit, not by works of the law. And a big contrast was made between works of the law and the hearing with faith. So hearing with faith. So you hear the gospel. You believe the gospel. The gospel is the way of salvation that which was done uh, through Christ. Well prophesied, as we'll see in the rest of this chapter, well prophesied through the law, the law preparing for people to believe that and to accept it. So the works of the law did not justify. The works of the law had their own benefits, 
the works of the law uh, kept one in that covenant with God. The works of the law <laughs> caused one to be led in the way of faith by the words of the prophets. The works of the law uh, had the temporary sacrifices, which were helpful and beneficial uh, in dealing uh, with sin until the time of uh, renewal came. That's the book of Hebrews. And so the, the work of the law uh, kept you with God until it was time to be led by that same law to Christ. And so we find, though, it's not the end all and be all of itself. It is about this hearing with faith. So hearing with faith, this gospel that we receive and unite in our hearts with faith. So verse 6 now. Here's our study tonight, verses 6 to 9. Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All nations shall be blessed in you. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. All right, now Paul packs a lot in there. Abraham believed God. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, this is something the Jews should have known because this is a quote from the book of Genesis. And so we think about how much they would have known each incident in the life of Abraham, how often that would have been the studies uh, in the synagogue, how often that would have been the, the private devotional readings, uh, how often that would have been uh, the contemplation uh, of the life of Abraham, the father of all the Jews. Well, in, he, in Genesis 15, 6, he believed in God, he believed in the Lord, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, my translation, I'm using New American Standard Update, it says reckoned. Other translations will say it was counted. Some will say it was imputed. So count, reckon, or impute. You might even find some translations says accounting, like, uh, like an accountant does his counting. So this is a financial term. Uh, this is a term that is used uh, when, uh, when people would count up the books and they would, they would uh, do their, uh, you know, computations. Uh, you think about uh, it, uh, what a computer does. Computer computes things. All of these are, are very similar words, all with the same root, all with this idea of counting up a thing. But sometimes you count a thing as a thing, even though it's not quite the thing, right? So if somebody's a little short at the till, uh, what, what does uh, what does the kind merchant say? He said, "Don't worry about it. We're good. Count." He said, "Consider it good, right? Consider it good. It's 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 all right. It's covered. It's it's covered or it's good is kind of this idea. It's not quite. It's not fully. It's not 100 uh, percent exactly, but it's pretty close. So it's to count to, to impute." is to count a thing even though it might not be that thing. So we count it good even though it's not. And so I, I can recall a uh, basketball coach I had, uh, he, he would make the team uh, stay at the end of practice until the team members had sunk 10 free throws. Well, we were young enough and bad enough at basketball. Sometimes the team making 10 free throws just didn't happen. 
and you know time you know time's over it's like yeah look there's another team waiting to get on the court we got to get off of here and coaches say all right it's good just go and we we couldn't do it not that we didn't want to we just couldn't and 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 he would just say okay we'll we'll count that good and so this idea of imputing is when a thing is counted as a thing even though it's not really actually the thing uh we have a another term for that sometimes we deem a thing as being done we deem it as having happened. We, we deem it as done, even though it wasn't. And so there are a number of aspects in life where we count a thing, even though it really wasn't quite the thing. And so that's, impute would cover that. So we're counting a thing, and we're going to count it as the other thing. Well, what happens here in this passage? Abraham's faith, from Genesis fifteen six, Abraham's faith is counted or reckoned some translations might also say impute, as righteousness. Now, Abraham was a great guy. Abraham is a sterling example. Uh, he's in the book of Hebrews as an example. He's in the book of Romans in chapter 4 and here in Galatians 3 as the example of faith. He's also in James chapter 2 as the example of works. Abraham is a great guy, right? Abraham is. He is the father of the faithful. He is also the father of the Jews. I don't know of anybody who better uh, fits the name, you know, father, other than Father Abraham. But how many of us could tell some of Abraham's faults? We know him well enough. There's enough biography of his in the scripture that we could all uh, name a sin or two or three of Abraham. Was Abraham righteous in the sense of a man who never did wrong? a man who could not be held to account, uh, not be uh, counted as guilty, because if you think about righteousness here, righteousness is the exact opposite of condemned, right? So is a, is a man condemned or is he righteous? Well, can we think about things Abraham did that would condemn a person? Again, we can think of several. So of his own, on his own, uh, Abraham was not righteous. Now, as compared to other people, boy, was he a lot better than a lot of folks. Consider him compared to his pagan neighbors. But being better than the pagans around, does that make you righteous? Well, in a comparative sense, you might say that. But in an absolute sense, in a full sense, in a, in, in a counting before God, is better than the pagans make you righteous before God? No. It might be a reason God would work with you. It might be a reason why God would be patient with you. It might be a reason why God might do any number of things that are helpful and beneficial. But in an absolute sense of righteousness, as of not being condemned, is Abraham that? No. And we know of a number of things that Abraham did that would get him condemned. And we know, you know, and you think about people, again, we often just give a pass because he is so much better than everybody around him. He is so good in so many other ways. We often just give a pass to folks. But let me ask you, the things that we know Abraham did, the passing off his wife as his sister, letting her you know, be joined to uh, another man's harem twice, <laughs> the, some of the lies he told, some of the, some of the unbelief he showed. If, if, if that was done by your children or by your neighbor, what would your feelings about that be? That is not acceptable. We don't do that around here. That's wrong. Well, it was wrong when Abraham did it too. Yet Abraham is counted as righteous. 
And how is that done? God counted faith as righteousness. That is the words of the text in Genesis 15. That is what is said here in in, uh, Galatians 3. When this is quoted in Romans 4, it says the same thing. Actually, this Genesis 15, 6 is is, uh, quoted four times in the New Testament. James 2, Romans 4 twice, and here in Galatians 3. And it is tied with obedience, excuse me, it's tied with forgiveness. In Romans 4, we have this same quote with a little bit different uh, explanation that goes around it, to the same effect, but a little different wording, a little different angle on it. Romans 4.1, talking about salvation by faith, it says, what, shall then, what then shall we say about Abraham, our forefather, again, Abraham our father, our forefather according to the flesh is found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he would have something of which to boast, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Then it quotes the same passage, Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. So in this translation, same place, but it, it says credited instead of count. So it's credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but what's due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. And so now we have a quote from Psalm 32 in Romans 4, and it's again about counting. It's about counting and reckoning, and notice how it'll be the sins that are not counted, but the faith is counted. So this is the quote from Psalms, Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not take to account. So what does the Lord graciously count for us? He counts faith for us. But what does he do about the the, the sins, uh, the lawless deeds, uh, the, the, the things we've done wrong? What does he do with those? It says he does not count those. And so some things are counted and some things are not. And so we, 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 we're so thankful that God is gracious in this way, that through Christ the forgiveness is given, and that uh, then we find, like 1 Corinthians 1.31, Christ is our righteousness. The way of Christ is, is shown to us, and our belief in that is counted as righteous. So in an absolute sense, in a sense of strict moral judgment, are we righteous? You think about the, the testing that Job underwent. When Satan shows up and says uh, to, to the Lord, you know, hey, um, Job, I think I can find a problem with him. I think I can find fault. Well, what, did, what fault did Satan find with Job? He didn't find much, did he? He made accusations, but he was wrong. Now, let me ask you, if we were subjected to the same drama, to the same kind of testing, what could Satan say about us? Now, you don't have to volunteer uh, uh, about that, but are there things of which we know we've done, which we know Satan could rightly accuse? If Satan brings, it's like, I'm hoping he doesn't bring that one up, right? Why? Because if he brings that one up, we won't fare so well. And so how do we deal with that? And how does God deal with that? Well, the, the quote from the psalm is, the lawless deeds are forgiven, 
They're covered, so they're no longer counted. Why are they not counted? They're covered and forgiven. But what's living and active and is counted? The faith is counted. So God counts the faith, and he doesn't count the sins. That's the blessing in the gospel and in Christ. So continuing on in Romans 4, it says, Is this blessing then on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised only? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised. Not while circumcised, because it was before circumcision, but it, while he was uncircumcised. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of faith that he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited to them. So, eventually, who's going to get this same system? Who's going to get this same kind of uh, God's gracious accounting where sin is not taken into account, but faith is taken into account, and so sin is not counted, but faith is? Who's going to be recipient of that? Everybody, Jew and Gentile alike. So in Romans 4, there's a definite uh, instruction here for the Jews to don't think this is only for you. Don't think you're the only ones who are going to be credited in this way. And, and the Jews uh, had a, a teaching that no child of Abraham would be lost because Abraham's good was credited to them. Of course, what is it that uh, uh, Jesus would say about those who thought Abraham, being Abraham's descendant would cover them? God can from these stones raise up children of Abraham. So don't think that being a child directly, a physical child of Abraham, don't think that will cover uh, you guys and that will exclude everybody else. What's actually going to happen is everybody who has faith gets this deal and everybody who doesn't have faith will be excluded. So he received, this is again Romans 4, he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had while uncircumcised, so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that righteousness might be credited or counted or imputed to them. And the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but also uh, who fall into the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. So this is in the gospel, a universal deal. Everybody with faith like Abraham can get in on this, but we don't count the sin, but we do count the faith. And again, this counting, the way the scripture uses such thing in counting, don't think about this as just some legal fiction, or don't think about this as not being quite reality. Because look at some other places where the scripture talks about counting or not counting of things. About Judas, in Acts 1.17, when they replaced Judas, what does it say? He was counted among us and received his share in the ministry. So was Judas part of, was he one of the 12? Was he really an apostle? Well, the apostles say he was counted as one, right? So he, how, how much was Judas an apostle? Well, he was very much an apostle. He had a share in the ministry. He was counted in here with us. This is how much this counting is, reflects reality. Or Paul says, Philippians 3, 7, 
whatever things were gained to me, these things of the flesh being, you know, circumcised the eighth day, tribe of Benjamin, all the Jewish learning he had, all the things outside Christ. He said, but whatever things were gained to me, these I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So how lost were they to Paul? He said, I count them as loss. And so it doesn't deny the fact he really had been a Jew, you know, or still was a Jew. I'm sure that's what it said on his passport. It wasn't, it wasn't that he wasn't really circumcised. He wasn't really from Benjamin or the like. But he counted it as nothing. And so this is how much the counting is reality. Or one more, Second uh, Timothy 4, uh, when Paul said, Nobody stood beside me when I was uh, in trial before Caesar. He said, my first offense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. So that's almost exactly that language from, you know, um, Psalm 32, right? That, that the sins are not counted against a person. And so Paul, when he says, let it not be counted against them, he's asking for them to be able to be forgiven, isn't he? So don't count it, Lord. Please don't count that. And so this counting becomes reality. It's, it's like in the scriptures when people are called a thing. You know, in the Gospel of John, there's the blessing that they are called the sons of God. How important is it to be called the son of God? Right? That calling or naming reflects a real reality. And so it is with this kind of counting. Again, we can use the word count, reckon, impute. We can use these words, as some of the various translations do, uh, interchangeably and synonymously. And so it's not this counting is not a make-believe, but it's, it becomes the real reality, especially when it's counted that way in the mind of God. And so what was the way of salvation? Well, it's believed God. Why was Abraham counted as righteous? This gracious crediting was because of faith. And again, we saw Psalm 32. It was also uh, closely tied to forgiveness. And so... When one is for, <clears throat> forgiven of sin and has an act of faith that's counted as righteousness, then one can uh, stand before God. Now, again, what kind of faith was it that did this? Well, in, in Genesis 15 uh, and verse 6, there's a whole lot of the faithful works of Abraham that we know of that Abraham hadn't done yet. Uh, the sacrifice of his son Isaac. That's Genesis 22. He hadn't done that yet. In Genesis 15, really, what is it that Abraham had done? Well, he had left his uh, family, and he had gone to the land that God had showed. And so many of the, uh, the great and repeated promises and giving an oath, like that's Genesis 17, so many of the things in the biography of Abraham are after this passage. But when he began that walk of faith, having received the promises of God, trusted in those promises, and then acting, uh, again, that's the, the tokens and evidence of his faith, then we're able to see he had that faith. So we don't have to wait till he gets to the end of life, uh, having done the great things and having sacrificed uh, his son already and, and you know had a hundred years of following God after leaving his family. We don't have to wait till the hundred years of faithfulness before this is stated. This is a statement that comes near the front of Abraham's life because the promises to Abraham are in Genesis 12. That's the call of Abraham. 
And this statement comes much closer to that than most of the other events of which we know in the life of Abraham. Now, Abraham's life is so full of faith, so full of an active faith, that when James was dealing with people who thought you could just give a token expression of faith, who does James bring up as the example of active faith? It's Abraham. And James, and this is one of the four places this passage is quoted, James actually quotes the same passage. Uh, James 2, verse 20. Are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Works? Okay. Yeah, when, when we put some of our, when, when we put this statement into the wrong question and into the wrong thing, we'll end up with what a lot of people think is contradictory. But we'll continue reading. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of works, faith was perfected. As the scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God, it was reckoned to him as righteousness. There's the quote of Genesis 15:6, And it ties it to the things that happened of Genesis 22. And he was called the friend of God. So that faith, which he began with, as time went, that faith grew, and that faith became a more perfect faith. That faith was always there, and he was always justified by it, but he, even he grew in it and had it, as the text says in James 2.22, he had it perfected. Why? Because faith was working with works. So faith works. Anybody who tells you that faith doesn't need to work has not read the Scripture. But James tells you that faith works. As it turns out, uh, Paul says pretty much the same thing. Going back again to Romans 4, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith. So James said he was perfected. Paul said he grew in faith, giving glory to God. Isn't that what we want to do? Grow in faith and give glory to God. That should be the dedication of every Christian, isn't it? Grow in faith and give glory to God. Being fully assured, well, we want assurance, don't we? Being fully assured that what God had promised, he would also perform. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake was it written. See, Abraham didn't need this written down by Moses. Because when Moses wrote it down, Abraham was long dead, right? 400 years before. But instead, it was written for our sake. So not for his sake was it, only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead. So he believed the promises of God. He grew in faith. He didn't waver. That's our task now. That's what Paul says. For our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he who delivered was also delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. So, even though we have transgressions, like the psalm said, those won't be counted because they're going to be forgiven in Christ. And he was raised for our justification. That's the vindication and proof that this was an effective sacrifice and the will of God. And so both these texts uh, teach uh, complementary things. Uh, James, 
uh, Genesis, Paul in Romans 4. Uh, people who view these as contradictory or as uh, going against each other, I think they miss the questions being addressed. Paul's teaching uh, was about faith and trust in Christ as the way of salvation, as opposed to the works of the law for the way of salvation in Romans and in Galatians. James was teaching and instructing about the need to have an active faith and not just an empty or inactive profession. And so when people try to make them fight each other, they're missing the point. Uh, these James and Paul are not face-to-face -face fighting each other and contradicting each other. Rather, it's best to see is that they're standing back-to-back -back and they're, they're, they're fighting different enemies. And so just imagine if there's a... If, I tried to find a graphic for this, but I kind of ran out of time. So just imagine if you have a, like a pot of gold in the middle of a, of, a, of, a, of a diagram. We have a little picture. We have a pot of gold, and we're going to label this pot of gold truth. And we got two leprechauns. One on each side of the pot of gold. Now, knowing the cantankerous nature of leprechauns, as we do, what would two leprechauns, each looking at a pot of gold, do? They would fight each other, right? And that's how people, I think, view Paul and James. They're fighting over truth, this, 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 uh, this pot of gold of truth. Uh, they're fighting over it. And they're face-to-face -face about to come to blows with each other. I don't think that's the right picture. Instead, again... If we could picture just for a moment Paul and James as leprechauns, forgive me, but we're going to picture Paul and James as leprechauns, and they've got their pot of gold called truth. Where are the two leprechauns standing? They're standing back to back with the pot of gold between them, and who are they fighting? Anybody coming to mess that up, right? Anybody coming to dis despoil or take something of the pot of gold, right? So it's the two leprechauns who are in team standing back to back with the truth between them fighting the comers from different sides rather than the two leprechauns turned inward and on each other fighting over the pot in the middle, right? Let's picture that as, as I think James and, and Paul here. They're both fighting for the same truth. They're both defending the same truth. They're not fighting each other, but they're, they're fighting enemies from different directions. So what do we have here in verse 6? Well, we've got a lot. We have Abraham believed God. That's what we ought to do. Believe God. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please him. And be a, understand he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek. Well, in this case, those who believe God will have that reckoned as righteousness because they believe God through Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ is forgiveness and justification. So... We're saved by faith in Christ. Now, verse 7, the true sons of Abraham. Therefore, be sure that as those who are of faith are the true sons of Abraham. Now, here's where we get a little provocative, at least Paul does, with the Jews. Who do the Jews count as the great forefather? We are children of Abraham. When Jesus told the Jews they were enslaved to sin, what did they say? We are freeborn people. We have our father, Abraham. So here is their glory. Their glory is that they have Abraham. John the Baptist tried to dissuade them of this, Matthew 3, 7. Many of the Jews were coming, the Pharisees and Sadducees, for baptism. 
And he said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able to, from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. The axe has already laid at the root of the tree. So, a physical descent from Abraham, John the Baptist said, that will not save you. Jesus in John 8, he says, I know that you're Abraham's offspring, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I've seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you've heard of your father. And they said, oh, but we have Abraham as our father. (coughs) He said, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you're seeking to kill me, a man who told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. And who does he end up telling them that their real father is down in verse 44? You're of your father, the devil. And so it wasn't the physical descent that was important. Uh, now, physical sin- descent's important from time to time. In the Gospels, Matthew 3 and Luke, th- excuse me, Matthew 1 and Luke 3, we have the genealogy of Jesus. And it goes right back to Abraham. And it's really important that he's from Abraham because he's fulfilling the promises to Abraham one of which we're fixing to read. But the Jews thought, well, we got this descent. We're as much descendant of Abraham as you are. But he says, yeah, but you don't have the mind of Abraham. You don't have the action of Abraham. You you don't have the uh, will that Abraham has. If you were Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. Well, we want to be Abraham's children, and We're going to do that by faith, so we're going to need the same kind of faith as Abraham is the gospel point on it. As Paul would tell, again, the book of Romans chapter 2, He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision that is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not for men, but from God. And so we sometimes might talk about you know, a fellow, he will say he's the true son of his father. Because uh, sometimes we have sons that aren't much like their fathers, right? We might have a, a righteous father and we have a scallywag of a son, right? That's a word we should use more, scallywag. But we have the, you know, we, we recognize them, even though we don't use the word. When we have a scallywag of a son, he's not really the son of his father. Yeah, I know he's got his name. I know what the birth certificate says. But if we say he's the true son of his father, uh, for good or bad, we mean he's doing what his father did. And so we need to be of the true children of Abraham. This, this is how this chapter, chapter 3, will conclude. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. There's only uh, for you to be one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's offspring or Abraham's descendants, heirs of the promise. So heirs of the promise of Abraham's offspring by faith. And this is exactly what the text saw coming in verse 8. The blessing was prophesied like this. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, 
all nations shall be blessed in you. So then, those who are the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. All right, here we go again. The gospel was preached beforehand. Why? Because this was foretold in Abraham. The gospel was in the mind of God. I don't know what the dispensationalists do with passages like this, uh, where they think that God has changed the plan over and over, and God has changed the form over and over. But God, the author of the whole thing, God set up Abraham to be the father of the Jews and to be the father of the Gentiles at the same time, one by physical descent and hopefully faith as well, and the other by faith uh, connecting uh, not by lineage of, of, uh, of birth, but only by faith. God saw that he would justify the Gentiles by faith. He knew that was happening. That was the plan. That's why this promise was made this way. And so the Genesis 12, 3, all nations shall be blessed in you. Uh, there are several promises made to Abraham, the promise of a great nation, the promise of the land, and here the spiritual promise, the blessing of all nations in you. We'll have a little bit more about that later uh, in this same chapter. We're going to talk about the promise some more. But all the nations will be blessed in Abraham. So, verse 9, then all who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Now, for the Jews who wanted to go just by physical descent above all things, Paul is just sticking a knife in their heart. Because they like things like Genesis 14, 13, where they talk about Abram, the Hebrew. Right? He's Abram, the Hebrew. What are the, what are the people of, uh, who descend from Abraham? They're Hebrews. Paul says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Sometime just about the captivity, uh, as uh, they change from the Hebrew language into Aramaic, Hebrew becomes Jew. So in the book of Jeremiah, for the first time in biblical history, we have the word Jew show up. It's used in the same uh, context as the word Hebrew, and they're used interchangeably. And then with Ezekiel, uh, we have that a little. And then in the book of Esther, particularly, uh, what is Mordecai? He's a Jew, right? And we got the Jews. And from, from the captivity on, it's Jews. So Jews and Hebrews, it's two versions of the same name. Abraham was to the Jews, Abraham the Hebrew. But what does Paul say he is? He's Abraham, the believer. In the English Standard and ESV, it says, he's Abraham, the man of faith. The King James says, he's, Ab he's faithful Abraham. So Abraham identified not by his race, but by his faith. And so the Abraham that we follow, do we follow him because he's a Jew? Is our connection to Abraham by uh, through Judaism? Or is our, is our connection to Abraham by faith? So, what is the way of our father Abraham? It's the way of faith. He's Abraham the believer. And what should we be? We should be the believers. Because what blessing is there in believing in Christ? Faith is counted as righteousness. Right? Faith is counted as righteousness. Again, that's intimately tied to forgiveness. Uh, but it, so it doesn't completely stand alone. Uh, there are other things in the gospel, but this is a good summary of the gospel, isn't it? Faith is counted as righteousness as it was for Abraham. So let's be that. Let's be these faithful people who have the faith that can be and will be through Jesus Christ counted as righteousness. As we saw in the verses before, 
the hearing of the gospel is united with believing. So let's believe. Let's trust. Let's live that way as Abraham did and have that counted or reckoned as righteousness. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.